0: truly is a joy to know that our Father is always there for us and that we never have to be alone. If you will, open your Bible to Genesis chapter 12. Uh, A few months ago, I had the opportunity to go to the Czech Republic and to teach some classes to some young adults about the patriarchs. And I... I developed five of them, and some of them have become articles. One of them has already been a sermon, and uh, one of them is going to be a sermon this morning. Um, so the patriarchs, I, as I was planning on my classes, I wanted to get uh, some classes on individual patriarchs. I want to talk about, like really drill down... On some things. So, we talked about the faith of Abraham and in his journey to faith. We talked about uh, Jacob and how he has this kind of control impulse. He wants to be in charge of things, he wants to uh, manipulate other people, so he's in charge. Um, but there was one class that I knew I wanted to do that was not so focused on one patriarch, but it talked about all three of them, because there's something that all of the patriarchs have in common. And that is that all of them chose to lie at one point or another in their story. And uh, this kind of made my ears perk up because it's, it's odd when you see the same thing happening again and again and again. And I started to think about the patriarchs and then beyond the patriarchs. Uh, this isn't just you know, these, these great fathers of our faith. But you think about uh, David, who lied several times when he was on the run from Saul. You think about Peter who denied Jesus uh, on the night that he was betrayed. And you start to realize that that lying is a really common sin in the Bible. And so today I want to talk about a common vice. We want to talk about lying, why we lie, and how to stop. So I'm going to illustrate to you three reasons why we see, uh, mostly focusing on Abraham and uh, Jacob, although no, Isaac falls in the same category as Abraham here. Uh, and why they lied, and uh, why that's a temptation for us, and then what we can do, talk about some common sense sorts of things to avoid falling into that trap. So we're in Genesis chapter 12, and after we get these great initial verses about Abraham, we pick up in verse 10. We'll read Genesis chapter 12, 10 through 20. Since now there was a famine in the land, so Abraham went down to Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was severe in the land. When he was about to enter Egypt, he said to Sarai, his wife, I know that you are a woman beautiful in appearance. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, that my life might be spared for your sake. When Abram entered Egypt, the Egyptians saw that the woman was very beautiful. And when the princes of Pharaoh saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And for her sake, he dealt well with Abram. And he had sheep and oxen, male donkeys, male servants, uh, female servants, female donkeys and camels. But the Lord afflicted Pharaoh in his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. So Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that you have done to me? Why did you not tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister, so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. And Pharaoh gave men, gave men orders concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. So here we get the story about Abram. I'm sure I'm going to call him Abraham before the end of this point. So just know... I know he's Abram at this point, but anyway. So Abram shows up and he gets to Egypt and he says, here's, here's the situation, okay? Uh, Sarah, you're really attractive, which is just insane because the, she's like 60 at this point and he's concerned that uh, they're, gonna, they're gonna be like, oh, she's too attractive, we better steal her. And what's even crazier about this is that that actually happens. So I, I don't know what's going on with Sarai, but uh, anyway. So this is Abram's concern, that people are going to see his wife and uh, that they are going to kill him and take her. And so that's why he says in verse 12, when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but let you live. Say that you are my sister, that it may go well with me because of you, that my life may be spared for your sake. So the first reason that we see someone uh, lying here is because of fear. Abram was afraid of what would happen if the truth came out, afraid of the ramifications. And this is probably the most common reason people lie. I mean, you look at, at David, for example. I mean, this is the reason why he lies most of the time. Uh, you could look at Peter. He was afraid of what might happen if he was associated with Jesus. So he lied. We see children lying, you know, did you break the vase? No, I didn't break the vase. And adults lie, same sort of thing. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, it was, uh, it was traffic, you know, that's why I was late. Or, uh, oh, your boss asked you, oh, where's that thing I asked for? Oh, well, I'm, I'm working on it, I'll, I'll have it to you, you know, real soon. We, we lie because we're afraid of what might happen if people know the truth. We are afraid of the consequences of our actions or afraid of the ramifications of the truth, which is the uh, area where this falls into. He's worried if people find out that Sarah is his wife, that they are going to kill him. And because he does not want to be killed, he asks her to lie. Now, this is really not good. Okay, lying... Is, has many, many deleterious effects on our relationships. And that is problematic because we're here, like relationships is the core of, of what we're about. I mean, God is our father. He is our, our savior. Like, he wants to have a relationship with us. And the church is built on relationships. Families, friendships are built on relationships. And if we let fear drive our relationships, then we can't be trusted. And that has very dangerous effects. Uh, I, was, I was looking at some statistics, some um, surveys this past week, and in fact, most people say that the person that they lie to most is their spouse. Like, that's, that's really, really not good. Even more so, I was looking into some of the specific things that people lie about. Uh, there was a survey done, and it said that uh, about 37% of wives, one in three, Um, when surveyed about how much porn their husband used, told a less amount than what their husband said that they were using, which means that their husbands are lying to them, are hiding something from them, probably because they're afraid. Listen, when we try and hide things from people, when we lie to people about what we've been doing, we lie to people about these things, it causes ruptures in our relationships, and it's very dangerous. I mean, think about this. Just absent the whole like bible thing what's the best situation for that if you're lying to your spouse either you live with this person for the rest of your life and they never find out and you have this racked guilt or they do find out but it takes them a while and then they're like why didn't you just tell me the truth see it's problematic any way you go about it lying because of fear is is a silly thing to do and yet we do it because the moment in the moment we get scared We get nervous, and we don't want to tell the truth because we're nervous that if they knew what might happen. And that's what Abram does. He lies because he's afraid. So if fear is a motivator that leads to lying, what is the remedy to that? How do we we fight back against this? And I would say that perhaps we might think that we need to be not afraid. However, I think that the answer is actually correctly navigated fear. Here's a passage. Matthew 10 says, Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. He's talking to them. uh, This is Jesus talking to his disciples, saying, People are going to try and persecute you. You're going to be in trouble. It's going to seem dangerous. But don't be afraid of them. The person you need to be afraid of is God. And that's what we see when people are lying. Because they are afraid. It is because they were afraid of the wrong person. They are afraid of people. But Jesus tells us, people are not your biggest concern. Who you really need to be afraid of is God. And you can see this, uh, say in the story of of Aaron, for example. So Aaron builds a golden calf for the people uh, while Moses is up on the mountain. And then when Moses comes down from the mountain, Moses, I mean, imagine this, meekest man on earth angry out of his mind. I mean, a terrifying sight. He's running around. He smashes the, the, the tablets. He crushes the golden calf. He grinds it up. He makes them drink it. He's about to have the Levites just, like, go through and slaughter people. And he comes to Aaron with, like, fire in his eyes. And he's like, Aaron, what did you do? And Aaron, you can see, he's got his crossroads at the moment. He can fear God and tell the truth, or he can fear the people and mostly fear Moses, and lie about it. And what does he pick? He says, ah, me? No, you know how the people are. They're always plotting. And you know we just, we just put this, and boom, it, it popped out. Now, that wasn't me. He lied because he was afraid of Moses. But who he should have been afraid of is God. And in the same way, we can choose the easy path in our relationships, in, in these difficult situations. And we can say, oh, you know, we lie. We can push the blame to someone else. We can uh, just away from us. But the fear in that moment is on other people. And who we really need to be afraid of is God. I mean, read Lamentations. God is not to be trifled with. He will shoot arrows in your kidneys and fill your mouth with gravel. Like it's a, God is not someone you want to mess with. And if we realized how scary God can be, then we would be a lot less afraid of people. And we would pick the right choice, which is the truth. If we lie because we are afraid, we need to be more afraid of God than we are of people. So that's the first story. Let's flip now over to Genesis chapter 20. In Genesis 20, it's a very similar story. We're going to find another reason why we lie, or why Abram lied. Here he's Abraham, so I'm I'm in the clear. (laughs) The first seven verses here are pretty similar to the setup from earlier, except now instead of Pharaoh, it's Abimelech, and it says, picking up in verse eight, um, so God comes to Abimelech in the night. He says, what have you done? And then Abimelech wakes up early in the morning, verse eight. So Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all his servants and told them all these things. And the men were very much afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, what have you done to us? How have I sinned against you that you have brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? You have done to me things that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, what did you see that you did this thing? Abraham said, I did it. Because I thought, there is no fear of God at all in this place. And they will kill me because of my wife. This is, this is just terrible. I mean, Abraham lies to Abimelech, causing Abimelech to do awful things. And then God comes and speaks to Abimelech and says, what did you do? And Abimelech, I mean... He, he tells God, look, I did this in the purity of my heart. And God says, yes, I know. Like, you're not innocent, but like, you didn't know. And so he goes to Abraham and he's like, why did you do this? And Abraham has the gall to say, well, here's why I did it. I saw your land and I thought, you know what? They're just a bunch of savages. Abraham just assumed what they would do. And that's the second thing. We lie because we make judgments about people. Abraham just, he just assumed that he knew how this was going to play out. That if he told them that Sarah was his wife, that they would kill him. Because they're a bunch of terrible people and Abraham is the paragon of virtue. But no, that's, that's not how this played out. And so we, we judge other people. We assume that they are not worthy of the truth or that they cannot be trusted with the truth. And I mean, I want you to think about this in the constructs of our church. Because we talked a few weeks ago about, about Ephesians and how we're told to put away falsehood and speak uh, each of, sorry, put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor for we are members of one another. And we talked about how it's difficult sometimes to speak the truth to one another because we want to hide our sin. We want to keep it in. And the reason is because we're worried of what someone might say if they found out. And this is inherently judgmental because we're looking at other people and we're saying, you know what, I'm going to keep this truth bottled up because if I tell them, I already know what's going to happen. I'm going to say, you know what, I've I've been struggling with addiction lately and I I really hope that you would pray for me. And they're going to say, you did what? I can never look at you the same way again. You're a sinner and I hate you. Or we're going to come to them and we're going to say, hey, you know, I've been, I've been having these thoughts and I, I really don't want to, but I, I'm, I'm, I just, I really need your prayers. And they're going to say, you've been thinking about what? No. And of course, maybe a little bit hyperbolic here, but I, I think you know what I'm talking about. That we act like we're better than we are. We hide our sin and we don't share them with other people. We aren't honest about how we're doing. And that creates ruptures And our church ruptures in our relationships, and we can't get the help that we need because we're not honest. And that comes from a judgment, a judgment that the other person cannot handle the truth, so we might as well just keep it to ourselves. And I'm, I, I'm here to tell you, as a person who lived that life for a long time, you know, keeping sin bottled up and just you know, not telling anyone and letting it corrode me from the inside until I was like, ho- like I, I came to my senses one day and I said, look, this cannot go on. And I, I began to share with people and I was so concerned because I was like, if I tell someone this, they are going to hate me. And in each case, I, I, I've shared my sin and my struggle with people and they've said, Brent, you know, I love you, I still love you, Like let's, let's work about this, let's pray about this, let's talk through this. I have received love and support and, and help in my time of crisis and I, that was not what I expected because people are almost un- invariably better than the voice that Satan is whispering in my head telling me that I need to keep my sin contained, that I need to you know, bottle it up and not tell anyone and just let it fester inside of me and not get any help. We judge people, we look at other people, and we say, you know, if I do this, this is what's going to happen. I already know, they, they can't handle the truth. But that didn't work out very well for Abraham. And it's not going to work out very well for us. And so if we have things in our life that we need to be honest about, that we need to be sharing, and we're judging other people as being unworthy of the truth or incapable of handling it, we need to change that. And how do we do that? Because that's kind of hard, okay? We're asking ourselves to, to open ourselves up to other people, to trust them. That's difficult. And so I think, practically speaking, what is really helpful for this is a cycle of vulnerability and trust. Here, I've got a, I've got a picture here. So here's, the th- here's what happens. If we're honest with someone else, we're, we're, we're open and vulnerable and, and, and we, we trust somebody, and we, we tell them, hey, you know, I'm struggling with pornography or whatever, and they, they say, you know what, that's, that's really hard. Obviously, that's a sin, and you can't keep doing that. But you're not saying you want to keep doing that. Look, I want to help you. I want to love you. Like, let's work through this. When you receive acceptance and love and help, then it comes back here, and you say, you know what, that went well. You know, I think I can be more vulnerable. I think I can trust more people, because what Satan told me they would do, which is, you know, run out on a rampage and never speak to me again, that didn't happen. And so we keep... Going around the circle, we are more vulnerable, and that gives us more love and more help, and we open ourselves up. And this way is amazing, okay? Because prior to this, we weren't actually getting any love, any acceptance, because no one knew who we were. Think about this. When you lie, when you cover up the truth of your sin, then the people you interact with don't actually know you. And, they, and if they don't know you, then they can't love you. They can only know and love the facade, the version of yourself that you're putting out there. And it's hard to feel loved when nobody knows you. And so the more we open ourselves up and let people see who we truly are, the more we can actually have a relationship with them, the more we can actually feel love instead of this projected version of ourselves. But unfortunately, this cycle works the other way as well. If we open ourselves up, and we hope to get love and trust, but instead we get rejection, then it works backwards. Then we're less willing to open ourselves up in the future. And so we need to be careful because, unfortunately, there are some people out there who, will, who are not going to handle the truth very well, who may be judgmental, who may jump to conclusions the way that we were judgmental and jumped to conclusions before we uh, opened ourselves up. And so I think it's valuable then to know that this cycle can work both directions and to be uh, careful, especially at the beginning, to say, you know what, I I, I need to be open, but I want to be open with somebody I can trust. And that could be hard because I think you've got to take that initial leap, but I think it's also wise to be careful uh, about who you pick and uh, about uh, the way that you share. So we lie sometimes because we're worried about what other people are going to think. Uh, fear, of course, plays a part into it, but also judgmentalism, that we assume that either they can't handle the truth or that if they had it, that they would do something and that everything would be over and our lives would implode and that the world would end and it would be terrible, and so we just keep it bottled up. But here's the thing. We are not that wise. Like We, we really don't know people that well. And we assume, you know, oh, if I do this, then here's all the things that would happen. You don't know. And as I said, almost invariably, it's not that way. People are kind, people are gracious, people are forgiving because we are all here because we are sinners and we need grace and we need love and we need the help of God. And so when we come to people and we say, look, I'm struggling, they're gonna say, yeah, me too. And we work together and we encourage each other and we help each other because that's what we're here to do. We push each other to better service to God, and we're honest with each other about the struggles that we have and the trials that we face, so that way we can get the help and the love that we need to keep pushing on. And that way we're not judging each other, we're open and we're honest. So that's the second reason. But the last reason comes to us in Genesis 27. So we talked about Abraham. Now I want to talk about Jacob. So we can lie because we're afraid. And we can lie because uh, we've made judgments about people. And both of these are sort of defensive lies. Uh, a lie to cover something up to protect ourselves. But Genesis 27 is a whole different kind of lie. Here, uh, Jacob and his mother uh, come up to, with this scheming plan to steal the, birthright, uh, steal the blessing from Esau. And we pick up in verse 18 of Genesis chapter 27. Uh, So he, that is Jacob, went into his father and said, My father. And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Now sit up and eat my game, that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Then he said, bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. And then his father gives him the blessing that was Esau's. So here's a story where it's not fear, it's not judgment. It is a selfish desire, a desire to manipulate, to control other people, to take what is not rightfully yours. And Isaac does this because, or Jacob does this because he wants the blessing that is Esau's. But we see this happening today in the world as well. I mean, politicians are kind of famous for this, that they will tell you whatever you want to hear as long as they get your vote, that they, they don't want to actually put in the hard work to do what it takes to earn your vote. They just want to steal it from you. Now, of course, that's kind of a uh, stereotype, but Oh, we also think about that maybe in businesses as well, that uh, a business will you know, kind of lie and steal and cheat and they'll, they'll hide certain things, so that way you think, ah, their product is the best, and they do whatever it takes to manipulate you so that you buy their stuff. Again, a little bit of a stereotype, but still we understand what's going on there. And the same way we can do that, I mean, we can talk about, uh, you know, lying on your resume or kind of uh, puffing things up. You can talk about, you know, any number of fish stories that we tell to kind of impress other people and make them think that we're cooler than we are or we've done more than we have. You can think about uh, the way that people will sometimes lie on, on a date to try and convince someone that they're better than they are or uh, to convince, you know, to tell them, oh, you know, you like fishing? I love fishing too. Great. When you you don't really, like, we can make up things because we want something that we haven't rightfully earned. We want praise. We want a connection. We want someone's, you know, business or their vote or whatever. But we don't actually want to do what it takes to get that thing. That's what we see Jacob doing here. And so then we ask, what's the flip side of that? How do we combat that? And I think the answer is pretty simple. It's contentment and hard work. Okay, so we use the example of a date earlier, okay? So if you want to try and convince someone that you're cooler than you actually are and you lie to them and you tell them, you know, whatever they want to hear, that's, that's not honest. And so either you've got one of two options. Either you find contentment in who you are and you're honest about it, or if you're not content with who you are, you work really hard to, to become better. Maybe you, you do take up fishing or maybe, you know, you're worried about, I don't know, you know, you're you're... Endurance, and so you, you, you go running. You, you do what you need to to grow. The same way you think about, you know, how used carmen they are like all unscrupulous and stuff. And so, you know, you're selling a car. Either you become content with selling your car for what it's actually worth instead of the, you know, the dollar that you would like to get, or you take the time to work hard to fix the leaky engine pump that you weren't going to tell them about or, you know, whatever it takes to uh, either be content or work hard to achieve uh, the, the things that you want instead of lying and taking them by um, dishonesty. Because we need to be honest. We need to uh, control our selfish desires and not tell people something that's not true just so that we can take whatever they want. So we've talked in about three things, three reasons why we lie. We lie because we're afraid. We lie because we make judgments about people. and We lie because we want to manipulate them. We want to take something that is not rightfully ours. And so let me conclude then with two thoughts. Two thoughts. One is that I think we need to take lying very seriously. One, because we, as, as we've discussed, there are many characters that in the Bible that are otherwise like really amazing uh, examples of faith, but that they fell prey to the sin of lying. And if that's the case, then that means that we all need to take note. Because if it, can, if it can get David, if it can get Abraham, then it can get us as well. That we need to be very cautious about this temptation. But also we need to realize that it is serious because our God, our Lord Jesus, who came to this earth, chose as one of his self-descriptors, descriptor, self I am the truth. And if we think that we can be people who are dishonest, people who lie, and serve a God who is the truth, then we are deluding ourselves. And so we need to take lying and the truth very seriously. But there's good news. Because here's the thing. Paul encourages his people in, his, uh, in, in the congregation of the, the Corinthians. He says, guys, there are a lot of things in this life, many sins, that will make it so that you are not worthy of eternal life. And he talks about thievery. He talks about uh, different things that all sort of have their root in lying and in dishonesty and in taking from other people. But here's how he concludes his, uh, this section, and here's how we'll conclude our sermon. He says, Such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Yes, lying is a serious temptation, and it takes a very strong will to break free from it. But as Paul said, such were some of you, you can break free from it. You can push past it by the help of God working in your life to purify you and transform you to be what he would have you to be. And so, here I'm about to sing a story a song about the wonderful story of love. And that love is incredible. And as we take time to consider our God, and all the things that he has done for us, then that leaves us in a few categories. Either uh, you're sitting here and you're thinking, you know what, lying is not really a thing that I struggle with. Then hold fast. Keep that in mind. Keep pressing forward. Keep holding fast to the truth. And if lying or some other sin is really racking you, I mean, we just talked about being open being honest that we're here to help each other. We're here to encourage each other. And so if you have committed your life to Christ, but you haven't been living the way you ought to, or you've got some sin that you really want the prayers of the congregation for, this is a time where you can be open and honest, and we will give you love and help, and we will pray with you, and we will encourage you. And if you've never begun your journey with Christ, we would love to help you. We've got water. We can baptize you. If you have any need, please come forward as we stand and sing.